Awesome. We're so proud of you guys. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, it is time to get into God's Word. Would you turn with me, please, to the table of contents? Yeah, we're going to go to the table of contents this morning because we're going to be doing a topical study um, on things that matter with God. So there's no single passage that we're going to be camped out in. We're going to be uh, just kind of going throughout Scripture. Now, when you think of the word greatness, what comes to mind? I'm sure for, for many of you, it's a whole just collage of different things may come to mind when you think of greatness. Maybe you're thinking, man, I had a, my family and I had a great uh, Christmas together. Maybe you think we had a great Christmas Eve. Was, was Christmas Eve awesome here or what? Amen. God did an amazing thing. We had a great Christmas Eve service here. Uh, maybe you're thinking, it's great, man. Family has finally gone back home. Or maybe some of you are, are more simple like me. I just love a great cup of coffee every morning. Um, but we all have things that are, are great in our lives. You know, the dictionary defines greatness as something that is distinguished, something that is set apart, something that is noble, something that is large, greatness. But the Bible also has something to say about greatness. Psalms 145 speaks, says this, Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise, His greatness no one can fathom. You know, I find it rather interesting, right, that we are to know God, but yet uh, the Bible tells us that there is an aspect of God that is unknowable, His greatness. Scripture says His greatness is uh, no one can fathom. His greatness is incomprehensible to you and I today, for we will never know all that God knows. We'll never fully understand all that God does. His greatness no one can fathom. But yet, there is an aspect of his greatness that is knowable. You're in the table of contents. Find Lamentations with me. We're going to go to Lamentations chapter 3. Give you a moment to get there. Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 21. Lamentations 3.21. The aspect of God's greatness that is knowable. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this, and, and he said, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah writes, and he says, The faithfulness of the Lord is great, and he connects Hope with the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness of God, his great faithfulness, is the umbrella of his love and his compassion. And what's so neat about this is the context in which Jeremiah wrote this. He wrote this at a time when the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, was under attack by the Babylonians. The Babylonian army had come in. God had allowed them to come in uh, and, and destroy the city of Jerusalem, destroy Solomon's temple, which at that point had already been standing for nearly 400 years. And despite the circumstances, despite the dire situation that they were in, Jeremiah says, we have hope today 
because the Lord is faithful. It's important for us to know that. The faithfulness of God matters. It matters in your life, and it matters in my life. The faithfulness in God, or God's faithfulness, I should say, is what gives you and I hope through all of life's circumstances. This morning in our study, we're going to learn three reasons why the faithfulness of God ought to matter most in our life. So if you're taking notes, the first reason is simply this. God's faithfulness to be God gives us confidence and comfort in the seasons of life. So the first reason that God's faithfulness matters uh, is because God is faithful to be himself. And because God is faithful to be himself, we have confidence and comfort in the seasons of life. Now, life is full of surprises, isn't it? Yeah. If we look back on 2023, we look back on this past year, and I'm sure every single one of us in this room had something unexpected happen to us. We were surprised by something. Right? Whether it's waking up and going out to your car in the morning and saying, man, I got a flat tire. I'm surprised by that. Right? Or maybe it's something, maybe it's health, maybe it's financial, maybe it's work, whatever it might be. We all have had unexpected surprises in 2023. But yet, despite that, who was faithful through it all? God is faithful. James, in the New Testament, he has something to say about the faithfulness of God. Look with me on the screen, James 1.17. James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He says, God doesn't change like shifting shadows. And he mentions this shifting shadows, and he's referring really to our perspective of the sun, right? We all know how the shadows work. Light in the morning, it gets lighter as the earth rotates, shadows are cast, darkness comes, and the whole thing starts all over again. It refers to our perspective of the sun, but the sun doesn't move. The sun doesn't change. It's rather the earth moving around it that casts the shadows. The earth and all who are on it experience seasons. So figuratively speaking, they're seasons of life. Spiritually speaking, it's not we who change. I'm sorry, it's we who change. God does not. He's faithful to be himself. So because God is unchangeable, that means his nature, his purposes, his promises, his gifts, uh, they won't change. And because he is holy, uh, he cannot turn to that which is unholy. Because Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Evil cannot proceed from him, nor can he tempt any to it. His nature and his character are unchangeable. God is faithful to be God. We call that attribute of God, God's immutability. It means he doesn't change. I want to share with you three more verses that have to do with God's immutability. Psalm 102:27. but you remain the same. And your years will never end. Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, and I do not what? Change. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same Jesus who walked with you in 2023 is going to walk with you in 2024. 
Because God does not change. We call that his immutability. Say that with me. Immutability. He doesn't change. So why does the immutability of God matter? It matters because God cannot be anything or anyone other than who he is. He is God all of the time. Think of the sun. What if this morning the sun decided to rise but not be the sun today? Sounds like, man, it's been a tough year. I really, I really gave it to Florida for July and August. I mean, I'm going to give them a little break. I think I'm just going to be a butterfly today. We'd have a really big problem if the sun stopped being the sun. Life as we know it would cease to exist. But because the sun is faithful day in and day out, year after year, centered millennium after millennium, to simply be the sun, this sphere of burning gases 92 million miles away, and according to Google, burning at 10,000 degrees on the surface, because it's faithful to do that every day, we go about our lives. And so it is with God. He is faithful to be God in every season of life. His faithfulness to be himself gives us confidence and comfort. But life has its ups and downs, doesn't it? There's, there's good things that happen to us. There's bad things that happen to us. There's good surprises. There's unwelcomed surprises. Life has its ups and downs. Jesus knew that full well, and speaking to his disciples one day, he addressed the ups and downs of life. Look with me, if you would, Matthew chapter 6, in your Bibles on the screen. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. All right, let's pause. Who's ever worried about their life? I'll put both my hands up and my toes. Right? Easier said than done, but we're human. But we look to an unchanging, faithful God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What's Jesus saying here? Well, he, he's connecting worry with what? Little faith. See, Hebrews tells us, right, if faith is the confidence of things hoped for, then what is worry? Worry is the expression or worry is our feeling caused by a lack of confidence in what we're hoping for. We worry, we experience worry when we are not confident in what we are hoping for will turn out the way we hope it does. That's where worry, that, that's, that's what worry is. It's that feeling. And Jesus says that that is rooted where? In little faith. Little hope that God will be faithful to be God in every season of life. I need that. I need to be reminded of that. When we have little faith in God being God, we take matters into our own hands. 
Now, I don't know about you, but, but I'm pretty good at taking matters into my own hands. And, and, and my experience in taking matters into my own hands is the matter generally doesn't get better. It seems to get worse. Who's ever experienced that? Absolutely. We're all in this together. But Jesus is gracious. He is patient. And he gives us the gentle correction. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek Jesus first. Why? Because he's unchangeable. He doesn't change his mind. He's not going to change. He, he is faithful to be who he is. He is faithful to provide all that we need. But we need to be reminded that God's faithfulness also includes God's timing, right? And it also includes God's methods. But God is faithful to be God all the time. Now, we're going to need to be reminded of that. Because in front of us is a whole year full of uncertainty. I want to share with you a few helps to remind you and I of God's faithfulness up on the screen here. Not that one. We're going to go to God will not change side. There we go. God will not change. He's not going to change what he says about you. He is not going to change how he thinks of you. He won't change his plans for you. He won't change his purpose through you. His forgiveness of you or his salvation towards you are not going to change. Why? Because God is faithful to be God. God's faithfulness to you, to me, is a byproduct of his faithfulness to be himself. Look with me now at that verse, 2 Timothy. If we are faithless, what is God? Faithful. He cannot disown himself. Aren't you thankful this morning that God's faithfulness is not dependent upon our performance? It is completely dependent upon his unchanging, immutable character, which will last, as we sang, forever and ever. We need to remember God's faithfulness because his faithfulness to be God gives us confidence and comfort in all seasons of life which leads us to our second point this morning. Remembering God's faithfulness matters because we will face Jordan rivers. Remembering God's faithfulness matters because we will face Jordan rivers. Turn with me, if you would, please. Joshua chapter 3. Give you a moment to get there. And while you're turning to Joshua chapter 3, many of you maybe know the story. At this point in Israel's history, they have already been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they are at the bank, at the edge of the Jordan River. And on the other side of the Jordan River is that long-awaited promised land. The promise of God is within view. All that stands between them and God's promise is the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. Don't you just feel like that's how life is? It's like sometimes when situation, when a circumstance is bad, it, 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 it also has to be at flood stage. 
Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood where? On dry ground. While all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on what? Dry ground. Skip down with me now to chapter 4, verse 4. So Joshua called together 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. So let's pause at this point. The priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, and they are just standing in the middle of the Jordan River on what kind of ground? Dry ground. ground. And they're standing there while all of Israel walks by. And as they're walking by, they're walking by the Ark of the Covenant. What are they being reminded of? God is faithful. And they cross to the other side, the priest and the the Ark, and they're still in the river, and Joshua says, hey, you 12, go back to the ark, grab 12 stones in the middle, take up a stone on the shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what did these stones mean? Verse 7, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I want you to think for a moment. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine you're you're one of those Israelites. You've been wandering in the desert. You've seen God do great things. The promised land is in view. Yet what stands between you and the promise of God? The Jordan River. And of course, it's what? At flood stage. Murphy's Law, right? It would be easy to say. It would be easy to think. You know what? Maybe we'll just wait a couple weeks and and let, let the flood stage pass. After all, we've already come this far. It's been 40 years. What's a few more weeks? It would be easy to say. Common sense would say, you know what? Maybe... Maybe, maybe just not now. Maybe the timing is off a little bit. Or even more dangerous, maybe we didn't hear God correctly. Maybe we're not where we're supposed to be. And it would be easy to rationalize all of these things. See, the Jordan River was either going to be a deterrent or it was going to be a door to experiencing the faithfulness of God. You will face Jordan rivers in your life as you follow Jesus. I will face Jordan rivers. There will be Jordan rivers in front of us in 2024, and they will be either a barrier, a deterrent, or a doorway to experiencing the faithfulness of God. The question, though, is how do we know when we're standing at the banks of a Jordan River? Here's how you're going to know. Because God will have already spoken to you 
about the other side. He'll have already spoken to you what the other side is going to be like. He already spoke to the Israelites. He says, when you cross, when you're over there, he spoke of the promise being fulfilled while they were still on this side. When you are following Jesus, be listening for his voice because he's always speaking of what is to come. Oftentimes, though, the doorway to God's promise comes through difficulty, it comes through trials, and it comes through testing. Why? That you and I may gain experience with God's faithfulness. That our faith may not be in the circumstance, but it would be in the one who is faithful. You will cross a Jordan River in 2024. Now, the interesting thing is, right, if you're, if you're a Christ follower this morning, you've already crossed a Jordan River. You've already passed from death unto life. You've already passed from darkness into light. You've already passed from unforgiveness to forgiveness, from unsaved to saved, from the eternal destination of hell to what? Heaven. And he doesn't change that. So if you're a Christ follower, you already have history with God crossing a Jordan River. If you're not a Christ follower this morning, today is your day to cross that first Jordan River in the salvation of the Lord. But when the Israelites crossed, God instructed them to go back and take up these 12 stones. And they're to Place them on the riverbank. Look with me. You're in Joshua chapter 4. Look at verse 21 with me. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over it. I love this next part. The Lord God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us. He did this so that all peoples on the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. We are to tell future generations of the faithfulness of God in our lives. We're to tell our children, our children's children, and our children's children's children. We're to tell of the faithfulness of God in our lives. But Look at what God did. Look at what Joshua says. He did to the Jordan what he did to what? The Red Sea. Well, how long ago was that? It was 40 years ago. What was God helping the Israelites to do? He was helping them to remember his faithfulness, to have faith in his faithfulness. He he was faithful then. He'll be faithful now, and he will be faithful in the future. Why? Because God doesn't change. He's faithful to be God. Now, when they cross the Jordan and they're in the promised land, when they are walking in the promise of God, will they need to be reminded of God's faithfulness? Absolutely. Look back with me now at chapter 3, verse 10. While, while, they're, while before they crossed, God is going to speak to them about the other side. 
This is how you will know the living God is among you. He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, and the Termites. <laughs> He's going to drive them out. He's speaking about the future on the other side. He says, even when you're in the promise of God, you're going to face opposition. Even when you're walking in the will of God, you will face opposition and you will overcome that by remembering my faithfulness, God says. The Israelites needed it. You and I need it. We need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. So how do we do that? Well, we're to take up memorial stones. And no, we're not to walk around Melbourne and Palm Bay throwing rocks everywhere we go. But there's a very practical way, very simple way that you and I can take up memorial stones to the Lord. And this is the perfect time to do it through the simple act of journaling. Journaling, maybe for some of you, maybe you are avid journalers and, and, and you do that every day. And man, I look up to you and I admire you and I want to be like you when I grow up. Um, I, I do have some journals. These are my journals here from the last few years. And I wish I could stand up here and tell you, man, every single page is filled out front and back. I will tell you this, every single one of these journals have a January 1st on them. <laughs> that, 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 that I can tell you. But I want, I want to be disciplined in journaling simply because I want to be reminded of God's faithfulness. I, I, want, I want to take up stones so I can tell my children how God is faithful. So one day, Lord willing, I will tell my children's children of the faithfulness of God. Journaling is very simple. The hardest part of it is simply doing it. It's sitting down each day with God. Journal open, Bible open. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through your word. You just journal what the Lord says. You journal your prayers. You journal the prayers that have been answered by, the God, by God because there's going to come a day where you're going to face the Jordan River and you're going to look back and you're going to see that he was faithful then 40 years ago and he'll be faithful today. So I want to challenge you. If, if you don't journal, would you journal? Beginning today, beginning tomorrow, January 1st, what a convenient time to talk about journaling. You go to the store, you just pick up a simple notebook, whatever it might be, and you would just journal. And I want to challenge you, hold one another accountable. And I want to ask you to hold me accountable. So when you see me next weekend, you have full permission to say, did you make it past January 1st? <laughs> and I want to be able to honestly say, yes, I did. We want to tell of the faithfulness of God because, and we want to record it. We want to remember it because you can't apply what you don't remember. Now, King David journaled. We call his journal the book of Psalms. And I, and I love the humility that David exhibited. Look with me on screen, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Then King David, he's, he's an aging man at this point. King David went in and he sat before the Lord and he prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? Who am I? Oh, he's the king of Israel. But that didn't mean anything. Who am I, Lord? What is my family? Shepherd, 
Bethlehem as you have brought me this far. The faithfulness of God. I don't know what David was thinking. He was thinking all the way back to when he was a shepherd boy and Samuel came to anoint him that one day. Maybe he was thinking about his time in the valley of Elah facing Goliath. Maybe he thought of his time when he was running through the caves of Adullam, hiding from Saul, whatever it might be. He took the time to remember the faithfulness of God. Would we, would we do that as well? Because as we think of God's faithfulness, there's another aspect to his faithfulness we need to remember. Remember that God is faithful to never leave you or forsake you. This is our third reason why remembering the faithfulness of God matters. He will never leave you or forsake you. Remember God's unchanging nature? What do we call that? His, Im, his immutability. Right? Because he doesn't change, his word also doesn't change. Look with me on the screen in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. God's speaking, and he says this. This is also requoted in Hebrews. He says, the Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. There may come a time in 2024 when you need to remember that God is faithful to never leave you or forsake you. He was faithful in 23. He will be faithful in 24. The Apostle Paul, he understood the importance of remembering that God would never leave him or forsake him. At the end of his life, he is imprisoned in Rome. He is awaiting, literally awaiting his execution. He knew the situation was not favorable. It was grim. It was dark. It was dire. Look at the last recorded words of Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4. At my first defense, no one came to my support but everyone deserted me. What is he saying? I'm alone. But the Lord stood at my side. The Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I was delivered from the lion's mouth the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul connects the faithfulness of God with the glory of God. He says, the Lord stood at my side. When all else deserted me, who was with me? The Lord was. And he gave me strength. He's saying, I'm not alone. He delivered me in the physical. Right? He delivered me from the lion's mouth. So if he delivered me from the physical, he is faithful to rescue me in the spiritual. He will take me safely home. What gave Paul the confidence and comfort of verse 18? History with God. See, Paul's life is filled with memorial stones to the faithfulness of God in every season. That's why in his darkest hour, he was able to have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And when Jesus is all you have, you quickly learn that Jesus is, is all you need. 
He is faithful to never leave you or forsake you. Many of you know uh, that in October, my family and I, we were in Italy. Uh, we were on, on vacation and doing some mission work with a Calvary Chapel, Torino, Italy. We love them over there. And uh, I believe Pastor Dave shared that my wife, Christy, had gotten sick. And, um, and man, we, we thought that she just had the flu or maybe she ate uh, too much pasta or pastries or pizza, whatever it might be. But, um, but she, she was sick. And um, October 23rd, 2023, she went into ICU in an Italian hospital. And the situation was dark, and it was grim, and we had no idea what was going on, but her body was shutting down. Little by little, she was shutting down, barely breathing. That was on October 23rd. On Saturday, uh, October 21st, two days prior, I'm having my quiet time reading my Bible, and the Lord speaks to me in prayer, just clear as day, and he says to me, surely this sickness will not end in death. That's John 11, 4. I didn't know what to make of it. I'm thinking, well, of course not. I mean, she's taking a nap right now. We're still at our Airbnb. We're leaving the city in two days. It's been a great trip. Uh, she just has the flu. But God said clear as day, surely the sickness will not end in death. I journaled it and I tucked it away. The next day, Sunday, the 22nd, prayer time, God speaks to me again. And he says, fear not, for I have many people in this city. Acts 18.10. Again, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I tuck it away. That night, 3.20 to be exact, 3.20 in the morning, I have this dream. Now, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not much for dreams. Okay, my dreams are almost embarrassing. All right, it's like a, like a grasshopper jumping on a trampoline or something. Like, what is, what is that? You know, you have those dreams too, so don't laugh. Um, but I have this dream, and it is so vivid. It is clear as day. It is so real. And it's me 20 years ago in paramedic school. I was a paramedic for Orlando Fire Department for many years. And in that dream in paramedic school, I, we were learning about this thing called diabetic ketoacidosis. Uh, bottom line, it's when your blood sugar is out of control and in the lethal ranges. Well, that dream was so real and so vivid, I woke up from it, reached over, grabbed my phone, and immediately started Googling diabetic ketoacidosis. And wouldn't you know it? What I'm reading and the symptoms that my wife, Christy, is presenting, are, they are one and the same. One and the same. But you know what? I'm stubborn. I'm like, that's impossible. She doesn't have diabetes. Besides, we got to check out of our Airbnb in a couple hours and catch a train to the next city. We don't got time for this. Five hours later, she'd be in ICU. Her admitting diagnosis was severe diabetic ketoacidosis. 
her body was shutting down. As a paramedic, I, I know very well what end of life looks like. I've seen it many times. I knew what my wife looked like the last time I saw her in the hospital. Our kids weren't allowed to come into the hospital at all. It's very different over in, in Europe. Um, so praise the Lord for David Downs. He is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Torino. Uh, he actually had a wedding to officiate that day, but he took our kids, Reuben and Mary, with them. Uh, and they went and they did a Peruvian wedding in the north of Italy. Uh, so they got to have a, a cross-cultural experience there. Um, but I was there and they wouldn't let me back with Christy. The doctor came out. And he said, you need to contact the American embassy. I was confused by that statement. I didn't know what he meant. So I asked him. And he says, you need to contact the American embassy because your wife's probably not going to make it. And then he said, you need to leave the hospital. They, again, I'm stubborn, so they escorted me out of the hospital. And they said, we will call you with an update. I never wanted my phone to ring so bad with an update, and yet at the same time, I prayed it wouldn't. I was all alone. I didn't know if my wife was alive or dead. I had, we had already checked out of our Airbnb, had no place to go in a foreign country, a foreign culture, a foreign language. I just walked. And every imaginable thought raced through my mind like a chaotic noise. But through it, pierced the faithfulness of God. When he reminded me, surely the sickness will not end in death. I knew what my wife looked like, I knew what the doctor had said, and I knew what the Lord had said. And let me tell you, I have a whole new appreciation for that man in the Bible who says, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Within three hours, the church, Calvary Chapel, Torino, had literally rearranged their lives and came to our support. Everything from having an apartment, an empty, a furnished but vacant apartment, which coincidentally was just a few blocks away from the hospital Christy was in, to um, since the kids were not allowed in the hospital, uh, I could only visit her uh, twice a day for, for one-hour blocks. Um, people from the church took time off of work, came, babysat our kids so I can go to, you name it, they rearranged their lives. The Lord reminded me, fear not. I have many people in this city. God is faithful. I want to show you... Uh, a picture, yeah. This is, um, this is the church, <laughs> Calvary Chapel, Torino. Uh, there, this is beautiful, the, what the Lord is doing there. That man on the lower left there, he's got his mouth open, kind of, <laughs> that's David Downs. He's the, the pastor of Calvary, Torino. He's been there 18 years. And uh, it's wonderful what the Lord is doing there. But many of you, 
I prayed for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, and it, it really encapsulates how we felt and what the Lord did. Paul writes, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your what? Prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious, gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Church, I want to thank you on behalf of, of my wife and I. Thank you so much for your faithful prayers over us when you learned of our situation. God moved. God did an incredible work. And five days later, we... I do not exaggerate when I tell you we broke Christy out of that hospital and we got her on the next flight back to the state. She's somewhere over here right now. And, and guys, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. We, it, God is so faithful. She, she does have, uh, apparently, uh, insulin-dependent type 1 diabetes. Um, totally new to us, unexpected, but we're learning to manage that and live with that. And we are so thankful, though, that God is faithful. And it's amazing um, when you get news like that. Many of you know how little the cares of this world matter. October 23rd, 2023 is a memorial stone of remembrance in our lives to the faithfulness of God. When God's word is all you have, God's word is all you need. But not all stories end that way. Many of you in 2023 have prayed prayers of healing for a loved one. And for whatever reason, perhaps God decided not to heal this side of eternity. The prophet Habakkuk, if you're still there in the table of contents, turn with me to Habakkuk. Yes, Habakkuk is a person, not a thing. In case you're wondering, what's Habakkuk? Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. So he lived at the same time as Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations in the beginning. Habakkuk witnessed and experienced and went through the Babylonian invasion and ultimate destruction of Jerusalem. Chapter 3 of Habakkuk is his prayer. Listen to the end. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Habakkuk prays, I heard... And my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sounds. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Would you say he's afraid? Yeah. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, would you say it's a dire situation? Yet I will rejoice, verse 18, in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. See, Habakkuk doesn't pray the circumstance away. Rather, he prays that through it, he might experience the faithfulness of God. Habakkuk understood, he learned 
that joy is not found in a changing of circumstances, no matter how dark or how bleak they might be. Joy is found in having our faith in the one who is faithful and true. The one who is in control of both the process and the outcome. God is faithful. It matters that you and I remember the faithfulness of God. He was faithful then. He's faithful now. And he will be faithful forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful and true. That you sit above all the circumstances we face, high, exalted, and lifted up, holy forever. Lord, thank you that you are faithful to yourself. Because of that, we have confidence and comfort in life. God, for some of us here, we've never experienced your faithfulness. And that begins by placing our faith in you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never received his faithfulness to forgive you of your sins, to save you, this is the first Jordan River you're going to cross. Trusting Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if today is the day of salvation, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and today you will, would you just raise your hand saying, today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ, the one who is faithful and true. Let's put your hands up. Amen. In the balcony. Amen. Amen. Yes. Father, we thank you for you are faithful to save to the uttermost and you will bring us safely to your heavenly kingdom. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for being holy forever. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Give a hand for those who, who place their faith in Christ today. Amen. Would you stand and worship the Lord together? Let's sing together. Oh, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name stands above them all. Oh!
Amen. God is faithful and he is holy forever. A couple things before we go. I want to remind you of the prayer bowls up front and in the back. God is faithful. He moves through the prayers of many. If you have a prayer request, please put it in the bowl. We want to pray for that over prayer week. We want to pray with you. Second, I want to remind you, Michael's in the center ring. Congratulate him. Pray with him. Get on his email list. Get the updates. Uh, congratulate him on this choice that he's, he's following the Lord in. We want to thank you for your generous tithes and offerings as we just continue uh, to do the work of the ministry that the Lord has called uh, this local church, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne, too. If you raised your hand or if you have any prayer needs, uh, my wife and I, along with a great prayer team, we're going to be up front. We'd love to pray with you. And as we close, as we end, let me remind you, get a journal. Let's write some prayers, or let's have some faithfulness, some memorial stones to the Lord. I leave you with this benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God bless you. Happy New Year. See you next weekend.